Happy Thanksgiving. Belated, but I hope it was good. And I hope that every day is a day of Thanksgiving today. In fact, that's kind of what we want to talk about. But we're going to talk about it from uh, a passage, a story in the Bible that I never thought I'd be speaking about on Thanksgiving. But if you have your Bible, uh, I encourage you to turn to the book of Jonah. If you don't have a Bible, we're certainly going to put the scripture up on the screen today. Story of Jonah. Uh, almost everybody knows the story of Jonah, even if they've never been to church, right? Uh, they've heard about Jonah. It's uh, one of the first Bible stories that uh, children ever hear. And it's about this man, uh, Jonah, who was a prophet. A prophet was somebody who spoke for God. God would say to the prophet, see, they didn't have Bibles in those days. God would speak to the prophet, and then the prophet would tell everybody God's message. Well, Jonah was one of those prophets. Well, one day Jonah, or God said to Jonah that he was supposed to go to the city of Nineveh, and he was supposed to warn the people there. It was a very wicked country. He was supposed to warn them that God was going to send judgment if they didn't repent of their evil ways. Well, Jonah didn't want to do that for various reasons, many reasons, in fact. But instead of going, so instead of going to Jonah, okay, instead of going to Nineveh, Jonah boarded a ship, went on a cruise ship, and he uh, headed in the opposite direction to a city called Tarshish, and Tarshish was 2,000 miles away from Nineveh. And the reality is that Jonah was running away from God. And the beautiful thing is that God was running after Jonah. Because God loved Jonah, God sent two things uh, to Jonah, into Jonah's life. Now these two things seem terrible. But in reality, these two things that God sent were really acts of mercy to save Jonah. God sent, number one, a violent sea storm. You ever been in a storm at sea? Oh, man, forget it. That, that's scary. That's sickening to me. Okay, and in this violent storm, Jonah is thrown overboard, and God sent the second thing, and what was that? A giant fish that swallowed Jonah alive. Now, when that happened, you know, Jonah responded like we respond. He would respond or react. His first response was, God, why'd you, why do you let these terrible things happen to me? And it wasn't until later that Jonah would realize that God sent those things to save his life. He would have perished in that storm, in that sea. But God sent those things to save his life. And then God recorded it so that we would learn a lesson, the kind of lesson that Jonah learned that day that changed his life forever. God wrote Jonah's story down so we would learn this lesson too. And I just want to say, I know a lot of people think that, you know, this is just a fable, you know, this is just a fictitious story. But did you know that in Matthew chapter 20 or chapter 12, Jesus referred to Jonah? He used his story as an illustration of his own crucifixion, death, and being in a grave for three days, but then rising from the dead. 
Jesus believed it was true. He wasn't treating it as a fable. And I know, you know, the, the story of Jonah sounds a little fishy, right? Oh, okay, sorry. Couldn't, couldn't resist, all right. And most people think it's impossible to survive being swallowed by a giant fish. But there are documented cases of people being swallowed by giant fish, by whales, and then being rescued. Uh, I have a picture of a sperm whale here. Sperm whale can grow to a length of 40 feet, okay? They can weigh up to 130,000 pounds. They can swallow things whole. A 405-pound squid was once found intact in the stomach of a sperm whale. It wasn't bit, it wasn't chewed, it was swallowed. During a whaling expedition off the Falkland Islands, off the coast of Argentina, a professional fisherman named James Bartley was swallowed by a whale. His fellow fishermen were able to catch him. This was in the late 1800s. Now, by the time they were able to cut into its stomach, 36 hours had passed. But when they did, James was still alive. His skin was bleached white, you know, by the gastric juices, but he was alive, and he lived for 18 more years, and his tombstone reads, James Bartley, a modern-day Jonah. And I just want to say, you know, hey, if God had the power to create these giant fish of the sea, wouldn't he have the power to have a, a great fish swallow Jonah and then spit it up alive? Of course. Friend, God's in control of every planet and every particle in the universe. And we're going to talk about that today. But Jonah, he is at the point where he finds himself in the worst, most terrifying moment of his life. But it was in that place, the worst place of his life, that he learned the most valuable lesson he would ever learn. Have you ever learned a lesson that just changed your life? I had been driving for 20 years, and I always noticed that, you know, I would have a trouble with a blind spot of people coming up beside me, and there were many times, you know, where I was changing lanes, and a car was in my blind spot. And then I learned that you ought to set your side view mirrors, you know how you set those? You lean as far as you can to the left and then move the mirror so you just can see the edge of the car. But the most of it is like that. So, and then when you turn back here, you can't see it all. So, and then you do the same for the other one. You lean to the right. and you, Did you know that? How many of you knew that? That's the way to do it, okay? That changed my life. I didn't run into no, nearly so many cars as I had before. And I'm very, very thankful. I learned a lesson just two or three months ago that eating too much peanut butter makes you fat. 
And so, you know, it's kind of changed my life. I'm hoping it'll change my waistline, but okay. There are lessons that we can learn that would really, they're just great lessons. And friend, it wasn't until Jonah had been swallowed alive that he learned an amazing lesson, a lesson that changed his life. Last Thursday, uh, some of you here today, in fact, probably quite a few of you, you were the one who said the Thanksgiving prayer at the dinner table. And I just want to say that I have read the story of Jonah many, many, many times. But it wasn't until I was reading it this week that I realized that Jonah chapter 2 is a prayer of thanksgiving. Never thought about that. Now, it's a prayer of thanksgiving. Now, it wasn't a prayer of thanksgiving for the food that Jonah was just about to swallow. It was a prayer of thanksgiving about the food that was going to swallow him. All right? But it's a prayer of thanksgiving. In the belly of a great fish, Jonah gave thanks to God. Chapter 2, verse 1. Then, then in the pit of that great fish, in the stomach of that great fish, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. And he said this, I cried out to the Lord because my affliction, and he answered me. Friend, there are going to be days and times in your life when you're swallowed alive, when you are in the pits. And friend, when you are, when you've been swallowed alive, you know what's the best thing you can do? To give thanks. Not just some euphoric, oh, well, it's all going to work out, it's all good, you know, just some blind optimism, okay? Give thanks to the one who can do something about the situation you're in. Give thanks to God. Why? Because he's the God who answers. That's what it says there. Jonah says, and he answered me. Friend, today, around the world, there will be billions of people who will pray to their gods. But many of them will not be praying to the one true creator God. They'll be praying to a God who can't hear and a God who can't answer. There's a God who longs to do that, who loves to hear his children pray and will answer. Verse 2. Out of the belly of Sheol, or hell, is uh, another, Sheol and hell, uh, not technically the same, but it can. Out of the belly of Sheol, Jonah says, I cried, and Lord, you heard my voice. Now, there are actually two words that are used <laughs> for cry in verses 1 and 2. The first one means to call out loud, you know, cry out something, and, and we have used it in that context. The second one, it means to scream for help. Now, just imagine, 
you're on a cruise. 50-foot wave comes, knocks you off the shuffleboard court into the water. That's the last thing you remember. You wake up. It's dark. It's smelly. Your head's wrapped in seaweed. You realize what? You have been swallowed by something. Would you scream for help? That's the word. Okay, I cried out. I screamed for help. And friend, I, I just can't imagine anything else worse than waking up in the, in the belly of a giant fish. Verse 3, he says, You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. The floods surrounded me. All your billows, all the waves passed over me. And then I said, I've been cast out of your sight. You see, Jonah realized that his refusal to, to, to obey God, his running away from God, that he had separated himself from God. But he's coming to the realization God loved him. <laughs> That's why he sent the great fish to save his life. God loved him and didn't want Jonah to be in that eternal state of being separated from God. Friend, that's, that's hell. Being separated from God forever. Choosing not to be a part of his kingdom, not wanting him as our God, that's hell. And God sent this deadly storm. God sent this giant fish to bring Jonah to repent, to come back to God, his creator, his heavenly father. And that's why Jonah prays. The last phrase of verse 4, yet God, he says, hey, I, I know where I am now. I'm in the pit of this fish, but I will look again. I will look again toward your holy temple. That's a prayer of faith, God. You sent this fish to save me. I know you're going to spare me, and I praise you. See, again, Jonah knew the reason God sent the storm, God sent the fish, was not to punish him. It was to save him so that Jonah could be right with God again. Verse 5, the waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deeps closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. He is in this, this jail, this prison that from which he cannot escape. But he says this, Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Isn't it interesting that that's in the past tense? that he by faith is believing that God has already worked to rescue him and to bring him out of this pit. Have you ever heard uh, somebody say, my life's in the pits? Maybe you've said that yourself. You ever been in the pits? Sure. There's all kind of pits that we find ourselves into, that we fall into, that others push us into, aren't there? Pits of discouragement. Pits of dis defeat. Uh, a pit of debt. Uh, a pit of being displaced. 
displaced at your job, getting a pink slip, being let go because of downsizing or whatever, being hated by a rebellious child, being rejected by a friend. There are pits that you'll find yourself in. And friend, when you've been swallowed alive, the best thing we can do is give thanks to God. Why? Because first, he's the God who answers. And secondly, because he's the God who rescues. God's the only one who can rescue that uh, from that pit. A pit of, a pit of discouragement or depression or debt or defeat or disease. He goes on in verse 7 with his prayer of thanksgiving. When my soul fainted within me, I had no hope at all. I remembered the Lord, he said, and my prayer went up to you, dear Father, in, in your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols, he says. Those who worship other things other than God. And actually, it's, it's really neat. The, the word for the worthless idols there is the word for vapors. Why did you use that word? Because a vapor is only there for a little while and it's gone forever. And that's what the gods of this world are. Yeah, they seem so real and so wonderful to us in this life. At this time, they're vapors compared to eternity. But I will sacrifice, verse 9, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of what? Of thanksgiving. You see, it's a thanksgiving prayer. I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I'll pay what I vow. God, I've made promises to you. I'm going to keep them. That's the best thing I can do with my life. I'll keep those vows and promises. Salvation is of the Lord. What happened then? Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. That great fish was the first Uber driver. Got Jonah to where he wanted to be. Got Jonah to where God wanted it to be so he could go back to Nineveh and do what God created him to do and be rewarded forever. When you've been swallowed alive, when you don't feel like giving thanks, you feel like griping. You feel like giving up. When you've been swallowed alive, give thanks to God. Why? He's the God who answers He's the God who rescues third. He is the God who saves. He says, salvation is from the Lord. There's only one God who can save you. I want you to think about that. There's only one God who can save you. The one who created you. The one who sent his son to die for all your sins. And then God raised him from the dead to prove it. There's only one God that can save you. And number four, why should you give thanks when you've been swallowed alive? Because he's the God who controls. Friend, 
God controls all the things you can't. There are any things in your life you can't control? There are any people around you you can't change? Is there any illness or disease or physical condition you have that you can't heal? Is there any problem that you can't solve? Absolutely. Who are you going to turn to? Turn to the one who controls all the things you cannot. Jonah was trapped for three days inside that dark, stinking belly of a fish. Now, you think you had a bad week. That's a bad week. But we've all had them. And Jonah was in the lowest place of his life, literally, okay? <laughs> literally, he was in the lowest place. Sperm whales can dive up to 4,000 feet. How many of you would like to be 4,000 feet under the surface? All right. He was, uh, Jonah was in the lowest place of his life, literally. A picture because Jonah was in the lowest point of his life spiritually. Here was a man who was a prophet who had spoken for God. And now he's running away from God. Here's a man who was once very, very close to God. Here's a man who's backsliding from God. Jonah lived uh, in Israel in the 800s, and King Jeroboam II uh, was the king. And Jeroboam II was a very powerful and rich king uh, during Israel's heyday, okay? This was a time of, of great prosperity, for Israel. But uh, we know what prosperity can do to us, don't we? Uh, unfortunately, prosperity like we have, we Americans have, is a time when it's very easy for God's people to start loving the things we have rather than the God who gave them to us. And you know, most of us here today, we don't see ourselves ever backsliding, do we? But it happened to Jonah. And it can happen to us. Jonah had gone from being a prophet, telling people about God, to somebody running away from God himself. But the good news is, God loved him too much to let him just go away and so in the worst time of Jonah's life in the belly of a whale Jonah learned something amazing that changed his life Jonah learned that when you're in the pit of whatever problem you're facing giving thanks to God prompts God to pull you out he knows he can use you then he knows you realize that he is your salvation, that he is your help, that he controls things you cannot. That there's an eternal war that's reward that is far greater than any earthly problem that you face. So fearing when you've been swallowed alive, you know what? Giving thanks to God will 
make God order your whale to spit you out. God wants to work. Paul and Silas learned that lesson. You know the story of Paul and Silas? They were going around, they were telling everybody about the Lord Jesus Christ, that he'd risen from the dead because they'd seen him. and They were Christ followers, and because they were, people didn't want to hear. Uh, the authorities arrested them, they beat them, they threw them in jail, they placed them in chains so that they couldn't sleep during the night. Well, in the dark dungeon at midnight, instead of griping, like I'm afraid I would have been doing, what were they doing? They were giving thanks. They were praising God for his grace and his mercy. They were giving thanks to God that their temporary persecution didn't compare with the eternal reward that they were going to have of serving the Lord Jesus Christ. They were singing their praise to God while they were chained in a dark dungeon at midnight. What did God do then? <laughs> he sent an earthquake. See, again, you know, see, God often sends things that we think, oh, man, that's terrible. What did the earthquake do? It shook off their chains. What did God, who did God send then? He sent angels to lead them out of the prison. And they continued on living for many more years, telling others about Jesus Christ. Friend, God wants to do that for you. He wants to do that for us. He wants to do that for his children. Giving thanks to God. Instead of griping or giving up or whatever we're tempted to do, giving thanks to God changes our life. It sets us free from that, that dungeon of discouragement and defeat that we can so easily fall into. And, and friend, you know, here we are in, in our world today. We're wandering and worrying what's going to happen with our foreign enemies like North Korea and Iran. And we're wondering what's going to happen with all the political division in our country and the racial tension within our nation and the economic problems and the problems of our country. They're huge. They really are. But it's probably our personal problems that really make us feel like Jonah. Okay, yeah, well, that's happened all around me, but what's happening to me? And there are days when we're going to feel like we've been swallowed alive. And some of you, I just talked to somebody this morning, many of you have lost loved ones this year. There's a hole in your life, in your heart, over losing someone that you really love. Others of you discovered uh, the doctor diagnosed some very serious health problems. Uh, some of our children are heading down the wrong path. Some marriages are being are hanging by a thread. Some of you, your financial situation is tenuous. Your job situation is terrible. <laughs> How can we give thanks then? Well, let's go back to Jonah, okay? What did he do when he found himself in the place of being swallowed alive? Jonah made that pit a place of giving thanks to the God who wanted to pull him out. Many of you have been swallowed alive. Many of you here today, you, you shared with me recently, you, you feel like you've been swallowed alive. 
But so many of you, you made that pit in your life a place of thanksgiving. Um, Brian and uh, Audrey Beecher have a beautiful little daughter, Julianne. Well, a few years ago, it was discovered she has Crohn's disease. It is serious. But they're thanking God that, you know, treatment's been found, that, that Julianne is responding to it and has a joyful attitude, and they're praising God because he's being faithful to them to meet them every day. Uh, two days ago, uh, Bob Hudson uh, came to the church with his son. We've been praying for his son. His son, Kendall, has served 11 tours in Afghanistan. Bob's thanking the Lord that God has spared his life. And that God, he's, he's, he's got some scars from 11 tours in Afghanistan. But God's being his strength. God's being his help in time of trouble. Uh, Ian's right here. Ian, uh, Ian's daughter, uh, Emily, has a rare uh, disease. And uh, was diagnosed when she was, what, eight years old? And I guess they said she wouldn't live past 12. She's 23, 25. This year, I mean, but serious physical problems this year, she had a four-organ transplant. And she is so much better. And they're praising God. They're giving thanks to God in the pit. Uh, Patty shared with me that Hurricane Irma and all the rain, her car was destroyed, got flooded. Didn't, she didn't know what she could do. She got the insurance settlement. It's far more than she thought. She was able to get a better car. Giving thanks when you're in the pit. We're all going to find ourselves there. And the best thing we can do, friend, is to give thanks to the one who loves us. The one who hears, the one who answers, the one who controls, the one who is sovereign, the one who is eternal, the one who gave his son so that you and I could live with him forever and ever. That's worth thanking God for, is it not? Thanksgiving, the most well-known uh, account of the, the first Thanksgiving was in Massachusetts. They're all wrong. It happened in Virginia. I just have to tell you that that's where, where the first one took place. But uh, 1620, uh, the pilgrims, uh, 102 pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock, Massachusetts. And that first winter was brutal. By spring, uh, almost half of them had died. Now, that's a brutal winter. Just, just imagine half your family died, half your family and friends died. Well, that's what happened to them. 
and they were facing sickness. And there, there's no medicine, there's no hospital. They were facing sickness, they were facing starvation. The situation was desperate. You know what God did? God sent uh, someone to them. His name was Squanto. How many of you heard about Squanto? All right, good. I'm glad they're still talking about Squanto. Uh, and maybe you heard that he helped, but you probably didn't hear the whole story. About a decade before the pilgrims arrived in Massachusetts, there were a group of English traders. There were a lot of traders, that, you know, traders, not traitors, traders that had, Europeans that had come to uh, what's now the United States. And they had come to Plymouth, this group of English traders. And the Native Americans had traded with them many times. And so when this group of traders came, the uh, Native Americans came out to trade. Tragically, they were taken prisoner. They were taken as slaves. They were sold as slaves in Spain. Squanto was one of them. He was just a boy at the time. He was sold into slavery. Even though his slave owner had slaves, he treated him well. He was a man of integrity. He had faith in the Lord Jesus. He actually taught Squanto about Jesus Christ. And Squanto responded to that and came to believe personally in this, in this God who sent his son to die on the cross for all of our sins, and he became a believer. Squanto eventually made his way uh, to England, and there he was... Uh, owned uh, by a man named John Slaney. And John Slaney was setting all of his slaves free, and he promised Squanto that on the first ship bound for America that he could find, he would place Squanto on that ship so he could go home. So 10 years after he was captured, Squanto was finally allowed to go home. But when he arrived in Massachusetts, he met with more heartbreak. He learned that an epidemic had wiped out his entire village and family. And if anybody ever had a reason to be bitter and to be hateful and to gripe and to give up, it was Squanto. But he had a faith. He, he had given his life to Jesus Christ. And when the Mayflower arrived, <laughs> they were shocked when this Native American came up to them and spoke perfect English. And he became their friend. And he became their helper. And this is what the first governor, William Bradford, wrote. Squanto became a special instrument sent by God for our good. He showed us how to plant our corn, where to take fish, how to procure other commodities. He was also our pilot to bring us to unknown places for our profit. And he never left us till he died. Squanto even left his possessions to the pilgrims, because he had no relatives now, 
He left all his possessions to the pilgrims as remembrances of his love. God helped Jonah through a fish. This swallowed him alive. God helped the pilgrims after a brutal winter and illnesses and diseases and starvation through a Native American who'd been sold into slavery. And friend, that's the God who wants to help you and work in your life, no matter what pit or what discouragement or what problem you're facing. And see, the reality is some of you today, and I wish this were true of all of us, I, I wish everybody here today, you were just on top of the world. Everything was good. You were just thanking God for all the good things, and there were no major problems that you were facing. And, and friend, if that's true, for those of you that that is true today, thank God. Give God's thanks. But what if that's not true? Don't thank God? No. For some of you today, you probably feel like you've been swallowed alive. You probably feel like you're in the pit, or the bottom's fallen out, or dark days are ahead, or whatever. Friend, give thanks. Give thanks. Cry out to God. He's the God who's going to answer you. Look up to God. He's the one who's going to rescue you. Turn back to God. Obey him. He's the one who controls all of the things that you can't. Because he's the eternal God. And the God of an amazing and unfathomable love that he would send his son to forgive us for everything we've ever done, all every sin we've ever committed and will commit. He's the God who loves us that much. He is the God who wants us to live with him forever and ever in his kingdom where things are right, where things are how he wanted them to be in the very beginning. Friend, that's his plan for the world. That's why we live on this planet. That's why we exist in this universe. Because of that God who loves you so very much. And friend, uh, some of you here today, you're, you're checking out this God. You, maybe this is new to you. Maybe you've never really felt like God's real. Or that all that stuff in the Bible, you just thought, well, that's just fairy tales. Jonah getting swallowed by a fish. Jesus Christ raising from the dead. They just made that stuff up. No, those are the acts of a God who can do anything he desires and who will do amazing things to save those of us who sin. Put your faith in that God. That's why you're here. That's the only reason. You didn't decide to create yourself. God created you. You don't know the future. God knows it. And he wants you in it. His kingdom forever and ever. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ to be your Savior, to be your Lord, that's why God brought you here today. Because he loves you.
and he longs to live with you forever and ever. And if you are a Christ follower, but you're in the pits, he's in control. He'll work. It might not be the answer you want, but when you're in heaven, you will see how God worked out a perfect plan and then you will give God thanks forever and ever and ever. Well, so why don't we do it right now? And thank him now. And experience the life of God in us. Dear Father, we just praise you. We praise you, Father. You, you are impossible to comprehend. There, there are so many things in life that baffle and confuse us, Lord. Well, we're not God. You are. You're the only God. Oh, yeah, there are a lot of gods that we worship, gods of our own making. But you're God. And, Lord, you are calling to us to seek you, to come to know you, to, to follow you, and to live with you forever and ever and ever. And we praise you. And so, dear Father, that is why we give you thanks. And all this is possible because of your Son, Jesus Christ. And you raised him from the dead. And your word tells us that you have given your Son, Jesus Christ, the name that is above every name, and the name at which every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And dear Father, for those of us who know you, that name is the most beautiful name in the world. And we worship you, Father. And we want to follow your Son, Jesus Christ, because he leads us into your kingdom, and we praise you. Dear Father, today we give you thanks. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me, please, as we sing?